May 9th, 2022, in Masechet Bet. If you count from the bottom up, it's 14 lines up, four words before the end of the line. We'll pick up from that Biraita that we ended on Friday dissecting and dealing with. Tanura Banan, of course, the words that begin Biraitot very often. Tanura Banan, the rabbis taught the following pasuk they dealt with, ubat ish kohen ki techel liznot. As I mentioned then, that word techel uh, has a difficult uh, interpretation. It either means to begin, milashon hathala, or it's alternatively to profane. It has something to do with chulin, like chol, hamavdil ben kodesh lechol. What is that word in the pasuk? in the context and the storyline of a woman who's a bat ish kohen teach us, doesn't just teach that she has relations, it teaches some halakha about the nature of her relations. So there is a mahloket about how to interpret that word, as I just mentioned, and it somehow fits into a conversation that we had earlier in the Gemara, which we don't need to return to other than one detail. Rabbi Omer, uh, says the says the Beraita in the name of Rabbi Rabbi Udahanasi Tehila. The translation of that word Tehel is Tehila. It's the beginning. In other words, as we'll understand in a moment, it means that this woman is an Arusa. This woman who's the Bat Ishkohen, she's still just engaged. She's not married yet. Were she to be married, she's still liable to death penalty for uh, consensual relations. But instead of it being sekila, it's henek. In the circums, excuse me, instead of it being serefa, it's henek. If she's a batish kohen, if she's the daughter of a kohen, she gets the severity of being burnt, unfortunately, for this circumstance. If alternatively, she's anyone else, or she's no longer an arusa, says Rabbi. It's no longer the hathala, the beginning, the first relations. In such a circumstance, it's not serefa, it's hene. Tehel, you're right. The word tehel is the, uh, is the key word. She can't be single. Single won't bring a death penalty at all. Tehel is the critical word. And that's, what's that? She's not going to be put to death. It's when she's involved in a relationship with another that this death penalty, not a penuya. Penuya will have a status. She'll be known as a zona. She might be asura le kohen. She's not being put to death. But in this circumstance, the word tehel is what triggers us to understand that she's only arusa. If she's nisua, it's no longer a hathala, beginning of relations, then it would be a different punishment. Vechenhu omer. And rbi doesn't suffice by telling us that tehel means the beginning, which in turn is an interpretation as erusin, chenu omer umet ha'ish asher shachav levado. That's a pasuk by a woman who's anusa, a woman who's uh, raped, and uh, the pasuk doesn't seem to have any bearing on this circumstance of a bat ish kohen, nor on the interpretation of rbi that it's dealing with a woman who's in Arusa. Says the Gemara, Maika Amar. What is it that Rabbi is adding by uh, that additional Pasuk? Again, I'm interpreting Pasuk Pesukim in the Torah. So Pasuk says, Bat Yishkoen Ki Tehel is not. Happens to be the beginning of this coming week's parasha. parasha. Excuse me. No. Beginning of this week's parasha, we'll talk about men kohanim. This is Pasuk elsewhere. Anyways, it says, says, the, says the Gemara, what's this additional I take that back again. It is at the beginning of this week's parasha. We're going to read it in the sefer this morning. I'm uh, confusing myself here. But anyway, says the Gemara, what's the additional pasuk? You want to interpret to us what the word tehel means? 
Amela, that's very nice and understandable. Why do you add that additional pasuk, which seems to have no bearing? Now, there's something that we need to know in our in our memory, have to have in our memory from what we learned with regards to interpreting this pasuk from Rabbi in the previous Gemara. Rabbi in the previous Gemara interpreted that pasuk by the ones, by the person who rapes a woman, that last word in the pasuk, levado, which is a superfluous word, because the pasuk immediately thereafter it says she doesn't get put to death she was raped unfortunately he gets put to death so why does the pasuk say levado only him if you all told me immediately thereafter and not her said Rabbi that word levado and here was the critical line for Rabbi taught me the following halakha if a terrible situation transpired in which ten men took turns one after another with with this woman now ultimately speaking when the woman emerges from this terrible circumstance she's still a virgin it was all nonetheless the only one who's liable to sikila, the only one who gets death penalty of sikila for relations with a na'ara me'orasa betula for a woman who's a virgin is the first one but she's still a virgin biologically and physically after the tenth one as well certainly for the second third and fourth and all those horrible circumstances nonetheless says Rabbi we doresh that word levado to teach me the first and only the first. Well, the Gemara will very easily now understand the connection to our case and that case. Again, Rabbi, who's explaining the situation of Bat Ish Kohen, Ki is not. When does she get Serefa? If it's the first relation, says Rabbi, Vechen Hu Omer, I have a similar situation in the Torah where the first situation is the most pristine which in turn is the most severe the most vulnerable the most terrible circumstance by the bat kohen ki tehel is not the beginning she's just engaged she hasn't had relations she has relations with another man serefa higher level severity of punishment and similarly the pasuk says according to Rabbi's interpretation even though there are ten relations even though she appears to be no different at the end than she was at the beginning. Leave the trauma aside, which is terrible and horrible, but physically she's this levado. Levado means only the first act will be liable to sikila, the highest of severity, the after one's lower severity. Amaravuna Bereder Rav Yoshua. Ravuna in the name of Rav Yoshua explains it the way I just built up for you. Kirbi Kirbi Ishmael Sevirale. Rabbi, this opinion in the Beraita is of the opinion like Rabbi Ishmael. Who's Rabbi Ishmael? De Amar. The only woman who's a batish kohen, who's liable for death penalty as serifa, is when she's an arusa, is when she's living, quote unquote, in her father's household. The pasuk continues to tell us, She's bringing that bad name, that profane status and stature to her father. It makes sense she's an arusa. As a result, if the beginning of relations is biznut, meaning she's only an arusa, only engaged, but not already married to a man, then it's bisrefa. Idach, anyone else, meaning she's already married, terrible situation, still a death penalty, but not the death penalty of serefa, which is specific and particular for the batish kohen, but rather behenek, the lowest of the severities, but the terrible severity for anyone who has consensual relations with another. Says the Gemara, my vechen, 
Why is it then afterwards saying Vechen hu Omer? Rabbi gives an example from the pasuk of Levado Kihatam. It's just like that case in this respect. Mahatam, the same way that the word Levado in the context, which is altogether different, is teaching us Bitchilat. The pasuk is dealing with, the pasuk is in a circumstance of tehilat bia, first relations, not second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way up until tenth, all terrible situations, but the only one who gets sikila is the first, so to over here, it's terrible, even if she's a niswa and has relations, but only we give the severity of mitat serefa to the batish kohen when she's an arusa, when it's kitehel, it's the beginning. That's the first interpretation of this Beraita. In the Gemara, the Gemara gives us one more interpretation and then we move on to an altogether different matter in the next Mishnah. Amar le Rav Bebai Bar Abaye. Rav Bebar Bar Abaye. Do they uh, put the Nikud on the word, that word in the art scroll as Bebai or Bibi? Bibi is nice for the community. We have Bibis in our community. <laughs> Bebai is correct according to grammar, according to my understanding. I had a friend, we lived uh, when we, I was in yeshiva down the block from Rav Yashiv's uh, Bet Knesset, from his, uh, his shul. And uh, he gave shiurim in Yiddish. At this point in my life, I certainly didn't speak or understand Yiddish. Neither did most of my friends who were in yeshiva, even though we were living in Me'ashari. It was an American yeshiva. And, uh, anyway, he went to Rav Yashiv. Rav Yashiv was the Gadol Hador for Ashkenazim. He was Rav, Rav Chaim Kanievsky's father-in-law for the Ashkenazim. And even for many Sfaradim, Chacham Vadya Yosef earlier in his life, in the 70s, had a very close relationship with Rav Yashif. He quotes him in his books. Anyway, he lived down the block. I used to pray there often. I prayed there when I got married and lived in Yerushalayim. I would walk there. It was, it was always a scene. It was always something to be to behold because there was a Pesach Kalacha, something interesting to be as a Gadoshi Musha just watching and observing a Talmit Chacham of that uh, of that standard. Why am I mentioning this in our context? Because I had a Chavuta. I remember his name, uh, Syrian sounding name was Ashkenazic guy, and he went. Uh, he would go to the class sometimes, the Shiura of Rav Yashif. So I remember the first time he went. I said, well, yeah, you don't speak any Yiddish. What do you do in the, in the shiur? He said, I didn't really understand anything that was going on. So I said, but what did you understand? He said, well, he pronounced the word as bibi. So now I know to pronounce as bibi. I said, what's, what's the hidush? So he showed me that Ya'avet, uh, Biakov Emden, points out that this name should be pronounced as Bebai. Why Bebai? Bebai is some pasuk somewhere in Tanakh. Unfortunately, I'm not proficient in all the pesukim. It says somewhere in Tanakh, this name, maybe it's one of the Tereas, uh, I forgot where, it says Bebai. So as a result, the suggestion of Ya'avet is Bebai, but everyone says Bibi, just like Rav Yashif, apparently art school as well. Okay, Amar le Rav Bebai. There it is. There's the punchline. We're reading it as Bebai. Bar Abaye Mor La this is my master didn't teach it this way. Now you'll see how insignificant my story was because we're not even caring about Rav Bebai. Umanu, who's your master? Who's your teacher? Rav Yosef. Okay, so my teacher, Rav Yosef, taught this statement of Rabbi. What's the statement of Rabbi? Rabbi was translating that pasuk, and he said, Remember, that's what we're dealing with. He said, well, our interpretation until now was that Rabbi is saying that the relations is specifically and only during Erusin for the Bat Kohen who gets Serefa. This suggestion will be that it's Rabbi 
Rabbi Meir Sevirale. Rabbi admits and accepts that even if this Bat Ish Kohen is married, it's not the first relations any longer. It's no longer a Hathala in that respect. She's married and she's involved. She means she's already had relations. If she now has relations with another, the Bat Ish Kohen still gets Serefa. Still gets Serefa. How do you explain the Sevirale de Amar? Niset le'ehad min ha-pesulin mitata so here's the circumstance, and the only circumstance where the daughter of a Kohen with extramarital relations gets put to death with Serefa. She, generally speaking, will be Serefa. Whereas the first opinion we had earlier, Rabbi Ishmael, our interpretation of Rabbi is it's only Minha Erusin. According to Rabbi Meir, it's even Minha Nisuin. Does that mean across the board? No, that word ki tehel has an important meaning. It means that tehilat hilulin, the beginning of, not only beginning of, but the beginning of making her whole. What do you mean making her whole? What sort of relationships has she had prior to this illicit relationship? Have the relationships been permitted relationships or, uh, or prohibited relationships? In other words, if this woman, who's the daughter of a Kohen, is married to another, but that other is prohibited to her for one of many reasons. He's a Natin, he's a Mamzer, he's someone who's not permitted for her to be married to. There are many laws, even for women, they're not allowed to get married to specific types of men. In that circumstance, she already made whole. She already brought her status and stature down. After that, says Rabbi Meir, in turn says Rabbi, the only circumstance that will find that Bat Kohen doesn't get Serefaus when she already, quote unquote, brought herself down. She started with Hull by marrying the wrong family, by marrying the wrong guy, rather. She now, if she has a subsequent relations, extramarital, she gets put to death, but not by Serefa. I mean, understanding the difference. The first approach was, it just means it's the first relations. It's so severe because it's specifically the first, the first relations this woman has had. Alternatively, it's not the first relations. She's been married happily. She's been married with a kosher husband and a kosher family. Extramarital relations, Serefas. I mean, across the board, no, Tehel teaches me that it's milashon hulin and hathala as one. She hasn't yet brought herself down in stature by marrying someone forbidden to her. If she's done that, so then we say if she now has extramarital relations, it's not bisrefa. But if she's been married to anyone else, it would be bisrefa. When she gets married, doesn't she lose her status as a Kohen? As a status as a Kohen, certainly. Her status as a bat kohen, my mother until today says she's a bas kohen. My mother's married to Harari, not Harari's uh, kohen. So Harari non-kohen, she always told forever. She's very proud of that. She's still bat, yes. But for this, says Rabbi Ishmael, says the interpretation here, says Rabbi Meir, that she's a bat kohen for this until the end. So you'll say, until the end, assuming she married into a kosher, to a kosher guy. You'll say to me, but she's not. She's no longer in her father's household. She maintains that status. You still say she's the daughter of X and of, of uh, you know the 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 Kohen. And this is what Rabbi, in turn, in that Beraita was telling us. If the beginning of her ahalta of her hulin. 
The Lashon Ketehel is not only beginning, it's beginning of fall, it's beginning of losing uh, Kedushah. Bisrefa, then there's Serefa. She was ha- married happily. There's Kedushah in that. She hasn't lost her, 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 uh, her Kedushah status, but she's no longer a Bat Kohen. She's still a Bat Kohen, but she's married to Yisrael. So what? She still has the Bat Kohen status, so to speak. Ve'idach, anyone else, is Behenek. If it's a Bat Kohen who married a Pasul, a Natina, a Mamzer, and so forth, in that circumstance, she's Behenek if she has extramarital relations. What do you do then with the Pasuk of my question mark. So then what's the example of Rabbi? Whereas our first interpretation was it's the first relations. So there was a parallel. I have first relations over here, and I have first relations in the case of Rabbi. In the case of Rabbi of Livado, it's ten relations. It's only the first one who gets this most severe punishment. Over here it has nothing to do with the first one. She's been married, she has a beautiful family now. She has extramarital relations. So why are you saying the Pasuk of Livado answers the Gemara Simana Simana Be'alma means it's just a sign. It doesn't mean that it's exactly parallel. It means it's the beginning of something different. So over there was the beginning of something different, terrible relations with this man. Over here it's the beginning of something different, and extramarital relations, but don't read into it any more than that. Two interpretations to the B. Long story short, that Beraita, which accorded and brought us back to the earlier discussion in the Gemara. The next Mishnah brings us in a new direction. We have just one or two, we have two Mishnayot left in the Perek, and each of these Mishnayot will deal with first Mesit and then Mediach, and Mediach will bring us back into a conversation of Ahizat Enaim, which we talked about earlier, which gets us back into the conversation of Kishuf and Me'onen, and uh, that really brings us through the, the, the rest of the Perek here, a daf and a half uh, till the end of the chapter. Now, what is uh, Mesit? Well, the Mishnah tells us what Mesit, but just very briefly, beforehand, we know we have discussed Mesit already, it's a person who lures another into Avodah Zarah. And that person, as well as the other, are both put to death by Sekilah. This Mishnah, the uh, subsequent Gemara, will deal with the details. Says the Mishnah, HaMesit, uh, tell me specifics of a circumstance of a person who convinces another to do Avodah Zarah, who gets Sekilah, the Mishnah told us in Dafnun Gimal. That's really been much of, this, much of the discussion in this Perek. Zehediot. It's a hediot. Hediot means a simpleton. Meaning, explains Rashi, understands the Gemara and the Beraita and the Gemara, not a Navi. If it's a Navi, if it's a prophet who brings by the name and the will of God, of course falsely, a person to Avodah Zarah, explains Rashi, at least at this point, this juncture, we're to understand that person also gets put to death, but not with Sikila, rather with Hanek. So Mesit means it's not a prophet using the name of God, it's not a Navi, it's rather a Hediot. Veha Mesit et Hediot. And furthermore, he's enticing, he's, he's luring uh, the other as a single other. He's not bringing a whole city like Ir Hanidahat to do Avodah Zarah, is rather turning to one or two or a few people to do Avodah Zarah. If it's an entire city, our understanding in this Mishnah at this point is, as Rashi points out, that would be a different type of death penalty. That would maybe be Mitat Hanik. If it's an individual or a few people, that's Mitat Sekila. So again, Mesit that the Torah talks about is non-profit and not to a full city. How do you do so? Don't do it. But how would a person become a Mesit? Amar, he says to another, or to a few others, Yesh yira, 
b'makom peloni. We refer to avodah zarah here as yirah, the awe-inspiring issue or matter. Okay, there is avodah zarah in some place. Kach ochelet, this is what it eats. Kach shotah, this is what it drinks. Kach mitivah, this is how it does good to others. Kach miri'ah, here's how it excretes. Well, that's the way it's done. Of course, it's bimakom peloni, because if they point to it right here, you'll go and check it out, and you'll see that it doesn't eat or drink in reality. So in another place, that's how a person does hasata. Now, continues the Mishnah in explaining how we put to death this person. Kol en machminin alehem. Generally speaking, all the other taught anyone who gets put to death from the Torah, we don't hide in our approach of them to put them to death. In other words, we have two men stand in front of them and very clearly and unequivocally give them a hatra'ah. They issue a warning. They turn to this person, you're about to be mahalil shabbat. Do you understand what you're doing? Do you know the punishment you'll get for what you're doing? And then the person needs to accept a kabbalat atra'ah, and that's how we put them to death. There's no hiding from that. We don't peer through the lattices and catch them and then bring them to court. There's none of that sort of business. And machminim alehim, we don't hide. Except for the mesit. Why the mesit? The Torah says, Rashi tells us, don't have any himla, don't have any pity on this person. There's no hatra'ah or no full hatra'ah. There's a debate, and we'll discuss it in this Mishnah even, between Tosafot and Davchet and Yad Ramah over here, and several other Rishonim. Do you need any warning to the Mesit? Maybe even a very basic warning. They don't realize that it's a warning. It's not formal, but they need to clearly make, make certain they know what they're doing and they know why they're doing it, something like that. Or is there really nothing at all necessary? That's a debate, but at the very least, you don't need the formal hatra'ah. For example, explains the Mishnah, Amar Lishnaim, he turns to two, not to a full city. But this hediot turns to two people and he starts luring them in. He says, you know, there's this avodazara and so on and so forth. They will now be the witnesses. But they didn't warn him per se. And they're not really, that's it. They bring him to court. They testify. And they can then, uh, and the court would then put them to death. What if he only speaking to one? Uh, so generally speaking, you can't hide the witnesses. The witnesses are standing in front and issuing a warning. Over here, it's a little bit more complicated. Amar What if he says to only one? So he takes one to the side and he says to him, you know, there's this yira, uh, this avodazara. Who omer, if he wants to now trap him, he wants to ensnare him, he can and should do so. The Torah says, lo tahmol. He's a mesit, he's a cancer in your midst. Get him out. Get him out, but I need witness. Okay, be smart about this. Be very sly and cunning. Omer, who Omer? Yesh li haverim. He says, you know something? I have friends. Rosim bekach. They might be interested. Im haya arum. If the mesit is a sly one, ve'enoya cholidaber bifnehem. And he says, listen, I'm not, allowed, I'm not able to talk in front of many. I take a case-by-case case basis. In other words, this guy says, I don't want to get caught. I know the community is very strong on this. If they catch me, they're going to put me to death. So he's only speaking to one. This one is trying to ensnare him. Again, what's the circumstance? It takes him. Maybe yes, maybe no. Might be his first one, but he takes what we've had. So he turns to someone on the side and says, you want to hear about this? So the person says, the truth is we should be talking to many about this. 
He's Arum, he realizes the guy's trying to catch me, or he might be trying to catch me. I don't want two witnesses there. I don't want two potential people who hear what I say who could put me to death. I'm very careful about this. I'm going to play this by the book so that I don't get caught. I can't speak in front of them. Says the Mishnah, nonetheless, what you can and should do is pull a skit. Pull a situation where you stage him talking, believing he's only talking to one while others are listening. You put two witnesses behind the fence. Say, okay, let's continue talking. I'll, I'll meet you tomorrow night in that uh, corner. We'll be very quiet, secluded, don't worry. But you keep people listening. We, generally speaking, can't do this. We need to give a warning. Over here, we're not giving that sort of warning. And says the fellow, the guy who is trying to, to lure into this, he says, could you tell me again, remind me what we talked about in privacy? And he now repeats them, you know, there's this And in turn, and the question is, this is the key line that's questioned, and we don't know exactly why this is in the Mishnah. Does there need to be a response for some reason or another from this guy who's listening. Technically speaking, once the guy spoke, Chalas, he spoke, he tried to attempt to, to, to tempt him in again, and uh, bring the witnesses out, grab him and bring him into court and testify about him. Alternatively, the Mishnah now injects, he says, oh, how could we do this? He's supposed to say that, sounds like, if he now says, okay, I changed my mind, you're right, I, I, I never meant it, all right, we leave him off the hook. He says alternative. This is our way. This is the right way. The people who are behind the fence grab him and bring him into court, and that's, how, that's his demise. Again, the Mishnah adds in that description of he's supposed to respond. How could we do this? Go after stones and sticks instead of the true God. And he responds, why is that all there? So one of two reasons. Either that's a mixat hatra'ah. That's like, a, it's not a full hatra'ah. That's an understanding. It's not a full warning. And that's saying to him, do you understand what you're doing? We're going to put you to death and so on and so forth. But at least you're issuing something. Alternatively, it's a bit different over here. Why is it a bit different over here? Imagine it for, for, uh, for argument's sake as the American court system. You would say, he led me into this. I talked to him theoretically. He now brought me to this place, asked me to repeat it. He led me into this as a result. You need more than just him repeating it because he's no longer the instigator. Now he got instigated by another. Do you understand? Those in the initial encounter, the guy comes and talks to you. All right, he's a messy. That's it. You have witnesses. Chalas. Over here, you brought him. You asked him to repeat it. For that reason, you now need to be fully clear that with him and with others that he's saying this out of his own volition. Yes, Jeff. What's present? The idol is present. The idol, no, just as bad. It's, uh, as, as I recall, we saw this in the Gemara earlier, we saw this quoted maybe on the Samechalif or something like that, and if I remember correctly, what the Mefashim said was, it's the Berba Hoves just talking the way a person would talk. They're not going to talk about this and say it eats and drinks this. They're going to say it about the one that's a, a world over, because if it's right here, you're going to see right through it. It doesn't per se need to be. No, certainly if it's in front, it's just as much a hasata. Alternatively, there is another question over here, and that is, why do you need two behind the gate? 
Why not have one behind the gate? After all, you only need two witnesses. He's talking to you, and there's a guy behind the gate. Chalas. That's it. That's your two witnesses. I got one behind, and I'm the other. Earlier, you told me if he's talking to two, those are the Eidim. They have to be able to see something. We'll see in the Gemara. They have to be, they have to be looking through a little bit. I, so there is such an approach like you, Jared, that since you set up this situation, and not Hazit, because lo tahmol, but since you set up the situation and he was walked into it, and up, so as a result, you need, and you're not giving him a warning, a true warning, you need two witnesses separate from the guy he's, being, he's talking to. Tosafot Yom Tov, it's a tough sell. If you're telling me the Torah says lo tahmol, there's no warning, there's nothing that's absolutely necessary, so why do you need this? The other approach to this, I just walked out, is the, the Gemara and the Mishnah and Dav in Masechet Mako talks about by Dinen and Fashot, something called Edut Miyuhedet being a problem, which means to say, without getting into the details, if the people who are observing it are not in some way able to see one another, the two witnesses, that could be a problem. We both observed the same thing, but you saw it from there and I saw it from here and we're obscured, although we could have the same vantage point what's taking place in the middle, there's something blocking the two of us, that could be a problem. That's the only reason that the Mishnah says it like this, because they are has to be that they can see. They have to see how they're going to be able to identify who was talking. Both. They need to see the guy as he's talking. They need to see something. They need to see as he's talking. One guy sees one witness sees somebody committing an act. Is it obligated to go find another witness and bring him, or he should not? In the as he's seeing the act. I mean, in the moment, as it's taking place, because if it's after the fact, it doesn't. I imagine there would be an obligation. The same way you have an obligation to, to testify, you have an obligation to get rid of the evil from your midst. If there's something to, I don't know, on this, but it stands to reason that it's just, it's, it's very much the same. If I saw it, I'm obligated to come and testify. If I'm, for what reason? I need to get the evil out of my midst. If I'm seeing it, and I'm now potentially going to be able to get this out, but I'm by myself, grab someone else as they're in the midst of it. You're saying they have some sort of duel. The guy's attacking and he hasn't yet. Oh, he's Mesit. Absolutely. Look, Tahmol. I'm sorry, how many other circumstances do you have? Right, and he's in the midst of eating. Yeah, same thing. But you're not putting him to death up there. That's uh, Malkot. But yeah, says, says the end of the uh, Mishnah, uh, you, you should know, and we even saw this cited in a different context already, there's not only a Mesit, but there's a Niset, the person who listens to the person who's luring him into Avodah Zarah, even if he hasn't done the Avodah Zarah, but he commits to doing it, death penalty of Sekilah. Very severe when it comes to Avodah Zarah, for good reason. I mean, this we understand. Lo tahmol. There's a cancer in your midst. There's a cancer in your midst. So let me go set him up, kill him, and stone him. Yes. Why can't I tell him, hey, buddy, you shouldn't be doing that. You gotta pray to God. You gotta, you gotta, because gotta because our assumption is he's not just off the derech. He's bringing others off the derech. He so, only one guy, two guys. He could have brought two guys. He went over me. Why can't I help him? The assumption is the only reason he went over so to one is to not get caught. Now. 
for your, for your purposes, Jared, as we became a real humanist, Baruch Hashem, but what I will tell you is for your purposes, for your purposes, the truth is the Mishnah, again, has a half hatra'ah. So you could read the Mishnah, Allah Tosafot and Dafhet, that there is half a hatra'ah. And even according to Yad Ramah, you can't push them. In an American law, you could say they were enticing me. That's the only reason I said I was pushed into it. So you do need somewhat of a commitment over there. He has to say, So in other words, there is a partial allowance with regards to his rights. But not much. That's why you need a partial allowance. Ha'omen, if the niset, again, uh, commits to it, even if he hasn't done the sin, he's liable to sekilah. So the person's enticing you to avodazara, you commit, chalas, unfortunately, your, your, your downfall is right there. How do we know if you committed? Well, it's dependent upon your verbal commitment. Ha'omen, e'evod, if you say, I'm going to worship that idol. Alternatively, elech ve'evot. I'm going to go, I'm going to walk and worship it. Any of these lishonot that we're about to read are all lishonot words which are commitment to the extent that you're liable as a niset and you get put to death. To death. Nelech avot. We, you and I, me and another, will go and do it. Avodazara, niset. Sekila, unfortunately. Ezbah. I'm going to slaughter. Elech ve'ezbach. I'm going to go and slaughter. Nelech ve'ezbach. In plural, we're going to go and slaughter to this avodah zara. Aktir. I'm going to burn for this avodah zara. Elech ve'aktir. I'm going to go and burn. Nelech ve'naktir. We'll go and burn for this avodah zara. Anasech. Alternatively, you say that I'm going to do a libation. I'm going to do a sprinkling of something to this avodah zara. Elech ve'enasech. I will go and do the nisuch. Nelech ve'enasech. In plural, we'll do it. Eshtahave. I'll bow. I'll Worship in the way of bowing. I'll go and I'll be mishtachave. We will go and be mishtachave to the Sabbath. All of those lishonot are all formally considered a commitment to the Avodazara. Niset, and you get put to death with Sikila for any of those commitments. The Gemara begins. We're just going to read the very beginning of the Gemara over here where the Gemara is being medayek in the Mishnah. If you recall, the Mishnah started with those with the, the characterization of what is a Mesit. It has to be a Hedyot, not a Navi, and he needs to be Mesit, a Hedyot, not a Rabbim. Not an Irhanidahat, an entire city, and he's not a prophet. Hamesit Zehedyot. That's the words in the Mishnah. Mishnah started off. Hamesit Zehedyot. It's not a prophet. Ta'ama explains the Gemara. The reasoning over here is Dehedyot, that this person is a simpleton. Ha Navi, if he were to be a prophet, and he's using the name of God in this enticing. Behenik, he gets put to death, still gets put to death, still very severe, just the lowest of severity, strangulation. What's that? We will deal with it. We, we, we will deal with it, and we'll deal with whether it stands la halacha. For, for, the, for the moment, we just need to understand what it's telling us, and you should know we're going to fall off of it. The Furthermore, the Mishnah made clear to us, it's to a single person. Ta'ama diyahid. Well, it's clear that we're talking about speaking to one. Harabim, again, you would imagine it's the opposite over there, right? In other words, if you, you ensnared a whole city, behenek, you get put to death with strangulation. That's the simple reading of the Mishnah. We made this point in the Mishnah. We're just going to read a few more words over here and setting up the question. Maneh. 
Who's the author of our Mishnah then? Again, the author of our Mishnah is assuming, according to our understanding, number one, it needs to be not a prophet. Number two, it has to be not to a city, Rabbi Shimon. It's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon because we have a machlok between Hachamim and Rabbi Shimon, and the following Beraita will suffice with that for now. Detanya, the Beraita says, Navi Shehediyah. If it's a prophet using the name of God who brings others to Abu Dazara, Biskila, Hachamim say, gets put to death with the highest severity. Rabbi Shimon Omer Behenek. Rabbi Shimon says the lowest, it's strangulation. If our interpretation of the Mishnah was as we said earlier, it means our Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon. Furthermore, and we'll finish with this, if they're ensnaring, if they're enticing the entirety of a city, that's not like our Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon Omer Behenek. Rabbi Shimon disagrees, and his opinion is there's a lower liability for some reason, but our Mishnah, leading into the question which we'll deal with tomorrow, is following specifically and only the opinion of Rabbi Shimon Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.